Welcome to the Chris Rawl Show. On today's episode, the college football semifinals fizzle once again as playoff expansion looms. The more things change, the more they stay the same. College football has always been a sport that is changing. And since the playoff was instituted in 2014, it has changed immensely, even within that small seven, eight-year span. Um, one of the clips that's passed around over the last week is because we can't avoid just these stupid controversies that arise out of thin air and everybody has a take and screams and shouts. Um, Kirk Herbstreet and Desmond Howard are at the Rose Bowl and they're recorded talking about how bummed out they are that players are sitting out of bowl games and people just don't love football like they used to. And they look like they're about 600 years old talking about who knows what. And everybody got really mad about it and said, you guys don't understand and blah, blah, blah. None of this is interesting, but it's become kind of a yearly tradition. Uh, talking head on ESPN, usually Kirk Herbstreet, puffing his chest out and getting up in arms about the the way that the sport is changing. And this is just, uh, they never would have done this in my day and this and this. And, and part of that I get, but not in the areas that most people like to get up on their soapbox and preach about. Because there's a million different ways that college football has been changing again within this last eight-year span. Um, conference realignment is right at the top of that list. And... That's been happening for all of time, as long as I've been a college football fan. Mid-90s, Penn State joins the Big Ten. The Big 12's formed when they bring in the Texas schools. 15 years later, big reshuffling of the deck. Big 10's adding on Nebraska and Rutgers, and the Pac-12's reshuffling, and the Big 12's reshuffling, and all the non-Power 5 teams are jumping around left and right. And then this last offseason comes out that Texas and Oklahoma are joining the SEC, which that seems like the most intense wave of realignment yet. That's also what we say about every wave, but this is the first time in my lifetime that it seems very, very clear that we are headed to power consolidating within a very select amount of conferences. But that's neither here nor there. It's just one of the ways that the sport is changing. Name, image, and likeness, that's another one. Players are getting paid. Another thing that Herb Street and Desmond Howard are probably crying about on air, but who knows. But it's just another thing that has been inevitable for some time. Now it's upon us, and we'll see where it takes the sport. The transfer portal has been another thing that has really changed drastically just within the last few years. That's added a whole new element to college football. The ability to transfer without sitting out a year giving a little bit more free agency to players that just, hey, this this situation for whatever reason isn't working out. Okay, cool. I can put my name in the portal and I can transfer and play at another team. And so now you have the whole new issues of, all right, uh, if we're a school, we're going to leave some scholarships open for transfer portal stuff. Uh, on the media side, we got to make sense of the movement and how this relates to recruiting rankings and roster talent in a way that we haven't been able to really categorize in the past because transfers always had to set out a year and it was just not as frequent as it is now. But it's also been somewhat interesting because each offseason, the transfer portal rearranging kind of mimics what we get in the NBA or NFL or NHL, MLB, just the free agency, who is going where. You know, we've seen it recently with the quarterback carousel. Adrian Martinez of Nebraska, he's going to K-State now and 
Spencer Rattler, who started the year at Oklahoma under center, now he's going to South Carolina. And Keaton Slovis, who played well for USC a couple years ago, now he's going to Pitt, so on and so forth. Just all of these balls getting thrown up in the air, juggled, and rearranged into different situations. And that figures to only get more aggressive as we move forward. So you can see there's obviously, uh, these are just some of the ways that the sport is changing and within the recent past. Now, there is a remaining constant about the sport of college football that is true now and is true dating back to when I started following college football 30 years ago. Uh, The sport is top-heavy. And people are really aware of that right now, in present day. Uh, And a lot of people are not pleased about that fact. And the other side is shouting, you guys are idiots. College football has always been a top-heavy sport. Look in the past. National titles are being won by Oklahoma and Nebraska and Miami and Alabama and USC. Just all of these blue blood programs that some of them are still around and they're still the same powerhouses at the top. Ohio State and Michigan, stuff like that. And that's true. Um, and what I think people discount is that not having a playoff mitigated a lot of that sense of imbalance because there were no second chances after you screwed up. There was pressure on a team every game. Something that I always preach about, what I loved about the pre-playoff era, and even dating back to the BCS, and before the BCS when it was just, you went to the Rose Bowl if you won the Big Ten. Didn't matter who was ranked where, you went and you played the Pac-12 champion. So at that time, you didn't have a second chance. If you lost early in the season... Well, you were in a race against time and you had to rely on a lot of other people doing a lot of other things to get a crack at the national title. And that's why I would posit that the top-heavy nature of college football before the playoff was instituted was still so exciting because the margin for error was tiny compared to now where it is rather large. And when you take that into account, you understand that the sport could be top-heavy in the past and you have a lot of these blue bloods that are always good every year, But because there was no playoff, if you lost one game, which pretty much everybody does every season, including the two teams that are going to play for the national title in this particular season, it meant that you didn't necessarily get a crack at the national title. You had to rely upon other teams losing so you could work your way back up. That's how we arrived at a place where Nebraska was the winningest program of the 1980s. They had more wins to their name than literally any team in college football, and they had no national titles to their name. If you had a playoff around during that time frame, Nebraska, I will guarantee you, has national titles. And that's just the way that the sport was at the time and now how it's changed. Florida State under Bobby Bowden, they had a stretch where they, for 14 consecutive seasons, finished ranked in the AP top five. That is an incredible stat. Uh, But during that time frame, 14 seasons, they won only, and I'll say that in air quotes because they still won, but they won only two national titles. Two out of 14 seasons when they were ranked in the top five. Again, if you understand that particular stat and apply it into a playoff era, it's very safe to surmise that Florida State has more than two national titles over that span because Florida State was very, 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 very good But they had your wide right loss to Miami here, your wide right loss to Miami there. And just the random occurrences that happened within a college football season prevented them 
from winning more. So even during the pre-playoff era, you still had powerhouse teams winning the vast majority of the national titles. Again, all those teams that I mentioned before. You did have your exceptions. 1984 BYU, that's a very famous example. Something that definitely could not happen in present day. Uh, 1990, Colorado and Georgia Tech split the national title. That's another example that I would point out and say that's really not going to happen in present day. But those were outliers. The sport was still top-heavy, and the powers that be were still winning nearly all of the national titles for decades and decades and decades. However, nobody really cared compared to right now, where people care a lot, and they're complaining about it. Because in the past... The beauty of college football was in the journey. This is something that I've thought and spoken about many times. How college football drew me in. What it was in the past and what it has been, what is kind of being extracted from the sport. Uh, College football in the past, the greatest regular season that you could ever be a part of. Regardless of sport. Football, baseball, basketball, soccer, it doesn't matter. College football gave the most unique experience that you could ever find within a regular season of a sport. Because there is a strong argument to be made, one that I have always made and am still making, despite the fact that the playoff is here and here to stay. Uh, In the past, the interest of virtually all fans and media members, it was dispersed heavily into a lot of different areas. That's very different from present day. In the past, it was dispersed into slivers and a pie. Uh, You had your non-conference games. That was always a big deal. Seeing, oh, what's the kickoff classic this year? Who's matching up against who? Okay, sweet. We get to see a Big Ten SEC crossover, two top 10 teams. Oh, who's on Nebraska's non-conference schedule this year? Oh, sweet. They get to go and play UCLA. That was always a big draw. Seeing the crossover against teams that your, your team normally wouldn't play or seeing teams that normally don't play one another play. You had divisional races. That's a sliver of the pie. Just the five other teams within your division that you play every year and you're battling for your uh, divisional conference crown and you just learn to hate all of those teams. That's a big piece of the pie. Conference races themselves, when you extend it beyond the division, that's a big deal. Whether or not you yourself as a team, is, uh, you're going to win it, you always had a say in divisional races. You always had a say in conference races. You could prevent others from from going and winning. That's always a big thing. Rivalry games. Uh, That's one of the biggest things that college football offers that no other sport does. Just the amount of meaning and importance that is placed upon a game that if you were able to step back a lot of times has no relevance whatsoever on anything that I just said. Could be two, three, and nine teams at the end of the year, but if they are Stanford and Cal... And everybody gets fired up. If they're Florida and Florida State, then everybody gets fired up. Um, and then bowl games, which in the past carried a very different flavor than they currently do now. That's something you could hear Kirk Herbstreet and Desmond Howard crying about on air. Just bowl games used to mean something, and everybody played in them. And, it, and much like non conference games, they were used as measuring sticks, they were used as a way to determine. Which conference was better than which? Who had bragging rights? All that kind of stuff. And now they they are treated what they are, for what they are, uh, exhibitions. And people who have any NFL prospects, 
in present day, most of them are going to sit out because they don't want to risk injury and risk. Uh, if, if that happens, then they're out millions and millions of dollars. Now, in the past, who won or who was contending for the national title was only a sliver of that puzzle. That's very important because I felt that as I was growing up and as I became an adult before the playoff was instituted. And I've really noticed that that has changed. Uh, and it's taken away the most unique thing about college football and for viewers of college football, its greatest strength. The fact that college football could claim a weekly playoff, and it was actually true. Again, something that no other sport could offer. So the playoff is introduced in 2014. And this kind of mindset is turned on its head. That's really become, uh, I think everybody's become aware of that as the playoff has gone on into present day as we sit waiting for the national title game between Alabama and Georgia. And so I've thought about this a lot, obviously, because I was kind of the boy who was crying wolf at the start, saying, I don't know if this is actually good, and I don't feel like it is. And I think most people thought it was, and I think most people have been dis disillusioned with the way that the playoff has played out since 2014. Now, the way that our mindsets has changed from before, when our love and our attention was dispersed into all these different areas, slivers of the pie. And the way that that has completely changed to where now the whole pie is the playoff. It's the race for the national title. Um, I think there's multiple places that blame can be placed. One of those I would point to is ESPN itself, the main entity that owns rights to show the playoff and also owns rights to show a vast majority of college football games, whether on ESPN or on ABC. And through this, they've made a concerted effort to shove the playoff down our throats at every conceivable turn. It's playoff, 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 playoff. It's every time the playoff rankings come out, we have a playoff show and it's discussed for two hours and we have the head of the playoff there and they're talking in circles about why they chose this team and that team. And we all know that they just pulled rabbits out of a hat. That's how they choose. But ESPN's always shoving it, always shoving it, always shoving it. it. You watch any broadcast. doesn't matter if the game is relevant to the national title. doesn't matter if it's a Tuesday night mat game between two, three, and nine teams. You'll have the announcers talking about it. You'll have them bringing up graphics on screen. What's your top six in the playoff race right now? What's your top six? And meanwhile, everybody who's watching is going, I'm here to watch a Mac football game. Nobody who is watching this game cares about the national title race. Nobody cares about Alabama or Georgia. We want to watch Miami of Ohio. We want to watch Toledo. We want to watch bad football. That's part of the lure of college football, especially from the past. Those little intricacies that brought fans and media members into the same place, but in vastly different ways. Uh, and then another part of the blame for the way that this mindset has kind of been turned on its head since 2014 is what I would categorize as mistaken belief by a lot of people, that the playoff was a door opener for everyone, which is what it was sold as, and which on a very small logical level made sense. Yes, expanding from two to four means more teams will have a chance to win the national title. And my team, a team that couldn't win it before, now has a better chance. That makes sense on a logical level. 
But again, as I was the boy crying wolf, which now turns out to be there, the wolf, not the sheep. (laughs) Uh, What's happened is it, it just opens the door for the same people over and over and over and over. So this is the eighth year of the playoff era. And we've seen domination by the same teams. Of the 32 playoff berths that have been awarded within this current era, 23 of those have gone to Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Georgia. The Kings at the top. Now, again, remember, this is similar to the past. Top-heavy sport, remember? Then and now. However, the problem that has arisen is that because the regular season has been reduced and because of that, everybody's interest in it, a lot of people are starting to understand that the four-team playoff is not very enjoyable for viewers. It's the thing that's talked about from week one all the way up until last weekend, again and again and again, shove it down our throats, shove it down our throats. Doesn't matter if it's Mac Tuesday, doesn't matter if it's ACC Thursday, doesn't matter if it's Big Ten primetime on Saturday night. We're always talking about the playoff. So it's on everybody's minds, and then we get to the playoff, and we go, this isn't really very fun. Now, this particular regular season, of the 2021 season, it's been incredibly enjoyable for me on virtually every single level. The return from COVID, I have welcomed with open arms. Fans in the stadiums, actual atmosphere, great stuff. Early season anarchy, Texas A&M beating Alabama, Iowa rising up to number two, all the craziness that happened over the first half. Just shovel it into my mouth with a pitchfork. Defensive resurgence, absolutely. Georgia ranked number one nearly all season. Now they're playing for the national title on the backs of a fantastic defense. Uh, And we saw that with teams like Michigan, you know, these top 10 teams actually more relying upon defense than offense in an era that that really hasn't been the case. Great. Awesome. Rivalry week this year was phenomenal. Michigan beating Ohio State, Oklahoma State beating Oklahoma, two things that had not happened in a long time. All that stuff was phenomenal. Regular season, two thumbs up. But we get to the playoff and we get to the semifinals on New Year's Eve of last week. And yet again, we have two duds, which has been kind of a reoccurring theme of the playoff. Bama, they pound on Cincy. Georgia, they pound on Michigan. The point spreads going into those games reflect the imbalance that's there. Alabama's a 14-point favorite. Georgia's a a 7.5-point favorite. Both those bear out, actually even more so. They both cover going away. Now, the national title game should be good, hopefully. Point spread small. Georgia's favored by three as of this recording. I think the game will be good. The first time they met, it wasn't actually good. Alabama won by 17, but hopefully we get a good game. But the semifinals got me thinking because I'm always thinking about this particular subject within the sport. And I watch them both and I go, these were not good games. And man, these playoff games over the last eight years, have been shockingly uncompetitive. Over and over and over. It seems like every time I'm watching a game, it's not that competitive a game. So I go back and I look. And so far, there have been 23 games played in the playoff. 
semis, and national title games. And of those 23 games, six have been competitive by my standards. Six out of 23. In 2014, Ohio State beats Alabama by seven. Zeke Elliott goes nuts. Uh, Ohio State, they're a seven-point underdog. They got third-string quarterback Cardell Jones. Cool upset. They're seven-point underdogs. They go on to beat Oregon in the national title game. The next two years, we have two great Alabama-Clemson national title games. The first one swings on Nick Saban calling a onside kick in the fourth quarter tie game. That sparks Alabama to victory. The next season, 2016, Clemson wins the rematch. Deshaun Watson to Hunter Renfro at the buzzer to win the game. Following season, we have two great games as well. Georgia and Oklahoma, for my money, the best game of the playoff era. Double overtime at the Rose Bowl. Baker Mayfield going nuts on one side. Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle on the other for Georgia. And then in the national title game, we have Georgia and Alabama. Great game in its own right. Goes to overtime. Walk-off touchdown, Tua to Devontae Smith. And then in 2019, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Clemson, Ohio State. Justin Fields gets picked off in the end zone right at the end of the game, which leads to a Clemson victory. Those are the six games. Now, six out of 23 means that 17 games have not been competitive. They've been pretty much bloodbaths. Uh, You know, if you're doing the math, that's about three bloodbaths for every one competitive game, which is not a good ratio, unfortunately, uh, as a fan. 2014, I, I, I won't say all of them, but there were just some of them that stuck out as I was looking over the results. First year, Oregon just plasters Florida State by 39 in the Rose Bowl when Jameis Winston throws the ball backwards. The next year, Alabama plasters Michigan State 38-0. They shut them out. It could have been 100-0 if they wanted. They just kind of let up. The next year, Clemson beats Ohio State by 31. Just who cares? Get it out of here. 2018, Clemson beats Notre Dame by 27. Boring, yawn, snooze. Uh, Hit the next button. 2019, LSU, they beat Oklahoma by 35. Joe Burrow thrown all over the yard. Last year's national title game, Alabama beats Ohio State by four touchdowns, 28 points. And then, less than a week ago, Alabama beats Cincinnati by 21, a game that did not feel that close. And Georgia beats Michigan by 23 in a game that also did not feel that close. So, now I get to a place where I get genuinely confused because I think a lot more people are starting to understand what I've been talking about for a long time. Maybe this isn't in the best interest of the sport. And yet I think that's not clicking in others' minds in a way that it clicks in mind, which leads to, yeah, we shouldn't have a playoff. Instead, people are looking towards something else as the dangling lure that promises excitement. It promises competitiveness and it promises an open door for everybody in this national title race that has now consumed the sport, the expanded playoff. Now, this is problematic for me on many levels as an anti-playoff man because I hear that and I say, okay, I get on a small level, I get what you're after. But I don't get how expansion solves the problem of a non-competitive, redundant playoff, which is what it's been through eight years. 
I don't understand how it restores any semblance of excitement to the regular season. In fact, I think that just makes it worse. So the playoff expands. It's eight teams, it's 12 teams, it's 16, whatever it is. I get there's a part of me that will go, yeah, that I'm sure there'll be some cool matchups early on. Hopefully we'll get a handful of more competitive games between teams that wouldn't have been there initially, you know. The eight playing the nine or whatever, the six playing the 11. I'm not sure how it'll work out, but... But the part of my mind that knows college football says, well, the top-heavy nature of this sport, which has existed for all of time, it will thrive even more in an expanded playoff. It just will. These teams that have overwhelming talent, Alabama and Georgia come to mind, but it's just the teams that I mentioned at the top that have recruited better than everybody that have NFL rosters. Ohio State, Clemson up until this year, Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley. Those are the teams that are going to float back to the top. And there's no part of me that really wants to watch Alabama play Pitt before they go and beat Cincinnati, which is, you know, a scenario that you could have seen this year. There's no part of me that wants to watch Georgia go and thump on Baylor before they go and thump on Michigan. I don't really understand what the draw is for this particular idea of expansion. I don't understand why college football would be going in the opposite direction of what made it great, which was the regular season, weekly playoff. The ability to divert excitement and passion and intensity into a lot of different areas that were not necessarily the national title race. What I find strange is the mistaken belief that is still touted by a lot of people that the college football playoff can and will approximate the NFL playoffs. Now, this this is... This is flabbergasting to me. This shows a shocking misunderstanding of these two sports. Because the talent discrepancy in college from the top to the bottom is an ocean. And the talent discrepancy in the top to the bottom in the NFL, it's a little creek. You watch the Tampa Bay Buccaneers play the Jets on Sunday, and it takes a miracle for... The Buccaneers to win outright. The Buccaneers are one of the best teams in football. The Jets are one of the worst. And it took the Jets up by four with two minutes to go. They have the ball on a fourth and two and they run a quarterback sneak because who the hell knows why? And then Brady and the Bucks have to drive 95 yards and score a touchdown without timeouts, which they end up doing. The margins are infinitely smaller in the NFL than they are in college. In college, the talent discrepancy between Alabama and New Mexico State, which is what the comparison would be in this scenario, it's just, it's not, they're not playing the same sport. You even get into the top 25 and you say, Alabama playing against the 25th best team, whoever that may be, you get them there in the playoff and they got to play against Iowa. It's not a fair fight. It's not something that is going to be enjoyable. It's not something in any way that as we watch it, People are going to say, oh, I'm glad that the sport has changed into this particular thing. Now, 
I know that I'm alone shouting into the void. I know I've been there for the last eight years. It's a very lonely place, unfortunately. But I feel compelled to sit and talk about it. Because I'm perplexed that we're watching college football lessen as a sport. We're watching college football as an entity diminish the things that made it care to so many people in so many different ways. And the near unanimous solution is to lean further into the thing responsible for making it worse. Thank you for listening to Sports with Chris Rawl. If you have any themes you would like me to explore or would like to contact me and connect in any way, please email me at chris at ceo.com. Again, thanks for listening.